Studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona. It's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Yes, and welcome to the Boomer and the Babe Show. This is Pete Peters, Deborah Brown's on assignment today. She's working with some of our clients uh, in the book publishing aspect of what we do. It's Wednesday, February 20th, 2013. It's at 11 o'clock in the morning here in Arizona, uh, and it's cold and it's raining. Believe it or not, we're going to possibly see snow in the higher elevations. Even in Phoenix today, they're forecasting that that's possible. So if you want to see some records being set, uh, check your weather tonight. They may talk about Phoenix having snow, so that might be fun. It's uh, 10 o'clock on the West Coast, and it is 1 o'clock on the East Coast, and we're hoping that everybody's had a great lunch over there on that side of the country. Uh, we're, uh, as I said, the Boomer and the Babe show, and we're being brought to you, um, produced by Boomer and the Babe Incorporated. We invite you to visit our website, boomerthebabe.com, see everything else that we're involved in. I also alluded to the fact that we do some publishing, so uh, you can uh, take a look at some of the things that we do there. And we also do a little bit of consulting from time to time. Deborah helps people out with their websites and some other things that she does uh, with regard to branding and marketing. So those are all available services via the Boomer and the Babe at boomerthebabe.com. So... That all being said, we do a lot of things, and the gentleman that I have as my guest today, Mr. Bob Burdett, has also done a lot of things, uh, one of which is that he is a presenter at the local RISE program here in the uh, Northwest Valley, the Northwest uh, Phoenix Valley, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the RISE program more towards the end of the show. Um, but the topic of discussion today is going to be personal security. Uh, Bob has a, a lot of information about personal security. He's been an, an instructor, and that is what he instructs at that RISE program. So uh, with, uh, without further ado, Bob Burdett, welcome to the Boomer the Babe Show. Thank you for having me here, Peter. It's nice to be on your show. Well, we're glad to have you. Believe me, uh, I warned you that I was going to ask you for your two-minute movie, and if Deborah were here, she would ask you to give us a two-minute dissertation, uh, laser beam style, uh, on some of the highlights of what you've done in the past and uh, what you've done prior to being on the show today. Well, my my background is uh, 40 years in uh, public education. Of course, I started off as a a science math teacher, and then have rose through the ranks uh, to director of guidance uh, in a high school. Uh, I was principal at the elementary, middle school, and high school level, and uh, eventually assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction in Fairfield, Connecticut, and in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And along the way, uh, I got involved in many different kinds of things. Uh, For example, I was one of the co-founders of the Connecticut Association for Children with Learning Disabilities, well, which was, uh, I thought, a great thing at that point in time, way back in the 70s. Uh, in Cherry Hill, I was on a juvenile conference committee where we reviewed 
juvenile offenders and made recommendations to the court for disposition. So we got to know uh, quite a few youngsters in town who just kind of strayed from the law a little bit, but we helped straighten them out. So I thought well, that was kind of exciting. Uh, I was also, uh, along the way, a member of the Metropolitan School Study Council, uh, which was an affiliate of the Institute for Administrative Research, Columbia University, and that's what we did there. Uh, it was a consortium of schools in the metropolitan New York area, and, and we talked about school administration, curriculum, and so forth. Uh, then kind of as a sideline, I've been a, a weather spotter for the National Weather Service for about 25 years, starting back uh, in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, then of course here uh, in Arizona. And I'm still doing that and taking uh, courses uh, with the Weather Bureau uh, periodically to update my, my knowledge in that area. So those are some of the things that I've been doing. Uh, plus uh, my uh, hobby in astronomy. And by the way, I also teach a class at RISE uh, in astronomy. Uh, probably once a year I do that class. So I have those various interests. Um, well, Bob, how, how is it that with all these interests that you've had over, uh, over the years and over your career, what was it that got you involved in uh, discussing with folks about their personal security? What was what was your interest there? Did you have something that, that uh, happened with regard to yourself or family or anything that uh, that brought that to the fore? Well, I think what brought it to the fore was that I had been a member of the Sun City West Posse for about 15 years, and I became their personal security officer. Uh, so that prompted me uh, to really delve into this. Uh, total area looking in all the literature and anything I could read about it uh, with the experts in order to make presentations uh, throughout uh, 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 Sun City West, uh, which I did for a number of years. So that was pretty much the impetus uh, for starting uh, this whole program. And then I just transferred uh, the knowledge that I had to RISE, where I've been a member uh, for the past 16 or 17 years. So uh, now when you're discussing um, personal security. Uh, I've got a list of things here that uh, you've sent along, and it ranges from how to uh, avoid being the victim of crime to road rage and all kinds of other things that we'll hopefully be able to get to most of them today. Uh, what is, uh, I, I guess, maybe the, the first thing that we have to be concerned with is how to avoid being a victim of crime, uh, that's probably more important in many cases to avoid it rather than having to deal with it as it's, as it's happening. So what kind of tips could you give us as far as how to avoid being the victim of crime? Uh, yes. Um, you, you know that most people uh, tend to be in denial when it comes uh, to crime. They, they see themselves as a nice person. No one wants to hurt me. And so they're in a state of denial. So one of the key elements of personal security, and probably the most important one, uh, is to be mentally prepared for the unforeseen. And that has several different components. And, and the first one is awareness. This is the first line of defense for anyone. Awareness is what's going on around you, and it's controlled by you, and it cannot be defeated. Secondly, <laughs> a person needs to have a sense of their surroundings. 
Actually, this is just an extension of awareness into the surrounding territory, if you will. You know, there are people, there are cars, hiding places, there are dark areas, secluded areas that present possible danger. I'd like to give an example of what I mean by a sense of your surroundings. Many years ago, then Senator Bill Bradley uh, was being interviewed in a gym while he was shooting baskets. He took the basketball, moved to the circle, and with his back to the hoop, he tossed the ball over his head and it went in. Then he repeated this four times from different positions, and each time the ball went through the hoop. The reporter, of course, being so asked Bradley how he did that. And Bradley's answer was, you have to have a sense of where you are. See, and unfortunately, too many people are clueless when it comes to awareness and having a sense of their surroundings. So this is a key. You often hear that comment uh, by commentators or in the, read in the paper, be aware. And this is what is meant by being aware, a sense of your surroundings. Well, Bob, I, I, can, uh, I, I can relate to that. I mean, many, many years ago, I used to have a catering business. And this is in San Diego, California, and I worked on many occasions. We did a catering, we catered events at football games, uh, NFL football games. And one of the places we would go to with my large grill and uh, an associate, we would we would go to the L.A. Coliseum, and we would cater it uh, for all the people that you know came up on six and seven buses from San Diego to watch the Chargers play the Raiders, and the Raiders have a. a quite a reputation as you know and I'm sitting in the stands after we've completed our catering activities and I've got my charger hat on and whatever uh, and and I look around and I got this buddy of mine who is a Vietnam veteran and he looks around and he sees all these bare chested gang types and he says all these guys have got bullet holes in them he says you know where I'm sitting here a bunch uh, amongst a bunch of gang members and I was not aware of that. I mean, I just thought it was a bunch of crazy, rowdy L.A. fans. But we were amongst gang members. And and my buddy Dick said, uh, you know, we got to really watch ourselves here. <laughs> and he was absolutely right. So when, we, when the Chargers won the game, and now they're really upset, we just kind of put our head down and took our hats off and walked straight to the van and got and I got the heck out of there. But that's a case of having uh, of awareness that Dick had, knowing that we were in a situation that could turn bad very quickly. That's, that's right. And, th and that brings uh, me to another point in terms of mental preparedness, and that is self-confidence. Uh, a confident person on the street, you know, is recognized as such and is less likely to be the victim of a crime. But the meek person unaware-looking person who is clueless of what's happening around him is really the high-risk person of being the victim of a crime, a target. The person who is hunched over, looking down, that's the target. A person who is walking with confidence, head up straight, scanning left and right, he's less likely to be a target. Uh, so it fits in with exactly what you were saying uh, in your little experience there. Um, but there's another very, very important uh, component of mental preparedness, and that is to trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. Trust your instincts over what your logic tells you. Your instincts are your internal body alarm system. Don't turn it off. If something doesn't look right, doesn't feel right, your instincts are telling you, hey, watch out, 
Something's wrong here. Get going. Do something. Just don't stand there in the face of possible danger. So trusting your instincts is very, very crucial. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of people who sometimes park in an underground parking garage uh, in a city, and they're all alone in this underground parking garage. You start to feel a little bit uneasy about this. So you start to trust your instincts. Watch out what's going on around you. Be aware. Have a sense of your surroundings and that kind of thing. Uh, so that can really uh, be formidable, formidable weapon uh, in your battery of artillery <laughs> for mental uh, preparation uh, is trusting your instincts. Well, it kind of goes along with, Bob, if something, if something uh, seems too good to be true, it probably is. And if something smells like it's rotten in Denmark, it may well be. Exactly. Uh, so you you really have to be aware. I know I had a car stolen out of a, out of an underground parking garage. I was not in any way, shape, or form uh, accosted. But I, I parked my car. I, I went up to do my business. I came back, and I know and I remembered then that there had been somebody hanging the kind of lurking around down there. And you know, I I got out of the car, and they kind of nodded and they waved, and I nodded and I waved in a friendly manner, and I went about my business. I came back, and my car was gone. They were friendly right. guys. They were awfully friendly guys, but all they, all they wanted was my car. Right. <laughs> so, so I mean, it it it, just, it shows itself in many different ways, doesn't it? Right. And and that uh, brings into play the idea of staying in control. Of fear of crime is fear of really the fear of the unknown, and the offender tries to obtain instant fear in isolation of his victim, both physically and psychologically. So fear in a somewhat stressful situation, staying in control uh, is key instead of panicking, and then uh, you're much more likely to be the victim of a crime. So you were doing just right in your little scenario there. It's uh, Moving on to a, another topic of being uh, aware and, and preventing uh, preventing dastardly things from happening, um, there hardly a week goes by without having or seeing something on the news with regard to home invasions. And uh, people get hurt uh, severely and killed in home invasions. And I know that we've had some home invasions in the neck of the woods where, where you and I live and are talking to folks. And um, what do you suggest that people do to hopefully avoid the home invasion? And what kind of uh, what kind of procedures can they institute to, to be a little safer in their own home? Well, there, there are several things that uh, people can do. First of all, we have to keep in mind that burglars are basically lazy. Burglary, you know, is a crime of opportunity. Typically, the break-in time, 10 seconds. They're in your house, and they're in and out within three to five minutes. But if your home is secure, they're going to try easier pickings and, and move away. So, Fundamental belief that everyone must have is keep your doors locked at all times. Actually, the number one way of gaining access to a victim is through an unlocked door. And 65% of the time, burglars enter a house through an unlocked door. So this is the fundamental belief, keep your doors uh, Secondly, lights are always a deterrent. So outside motion lights or dawn-to-dust lights, plus lights indoors on timers, uh, will always be uh, helpful. Uh, have good 
uh, double cylinder dead bolts uh, for your for your doors, which are the strongest that can be. Uh, if you're moving into a no, new house, change the locks for tumblers, uh, so to prevent uh, someone entering your house. Another thing that people often have uh, are glass doors. They look very attractive, but they're also very insecure. <clears throat> they should be covered with grill work for protection or maybe install a security door. And also those glass panels on each side of the door that you often see, that's risky also. Break the glass, reach in, undo the deadbolt, and the burglars in your house. Uh, another suggestion, use window stops so windows cannot be opened, oh, let's say more than 8 to 10 inches. Keep your curtains drawn at night. The potential truder should not know how many people are at home and their location in the house. Oftentimes I'm walking down the street and there are the blinds up. I can tell who's in the house, where they're located. The front door uh, is open. Maybe they have a security door, but I have complete view of everything that's happening in that house. Not a good scene. And then the one I always like, garage doors. We here live in the Sonoran Desert. It's hot in the summer, so we have the partial open syndrome. Keeping our garage doors open or partially open, particularly in the summertime. Not a good idea. You know, the burglar not only has the opportunity to gain access to your house through that partially open door, but he's essentially out of sight, and therefore he can do what he wants to do. Um, watch out for shrubs around your house. Eliminate those high shrubs because they're good hiding places also uh, for the burglar. Another one that uh, people like to do when they are away for the summer, maybe they might be snowbirds or just going on vacation, they take their patio furniture and move it into the garage or shove it up against the wall. This is a dead giveaway that you're not home, not only home, but you're probably away for a considerable period of time. An empty house is a dead giveaway that it's unoccupied. And another sh easy thing for people to do is to remove their potted plants when you're on vacation, unless somebody can water them for you. You know, dead around a house is another giveaway that the house is vacant, nobody around to take care of things. So those are just a few of, of the things they do for physical security uh, in their house. Uh, just a little add-on, though. People should be sure that their smoke alarm is working, and that should be checked annually. And it might be a good idea to have a fire extinguisher uh, at some strategic location in your house, such as a garage or a kitchen. So those questions I have for people uh, in physical security of their house. There, uh, there's something that, that you mentioned that is uh, probably pretty much indigenous to the, uh, the heat in the summertime, as you mentioned, with the open garage door syndrome. Uh, I see that all the time myself. I'm driving down the road or whatever, and I see these people with two feet, three feet of open door, uh, even a foot of open door. If somebody really wants to get in, they probably could. Uh, but what amazes me is I don't think they realize it. I don't think that really keeps the garage any cooler. No, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> because all the heat rises to the top in the ceiling of the garage and uh, and puddles up there and, and moves itself down. And unless you've got a cold or a cool breeze blowing, 
That doesn't do any good. The heat never gets down that low. Uh, the heat's up in your head where you're walking. So uh, it doesn't really do any good to uh, cool the garage off anyhow. No, that, that's absolutely right. I checked that out for myself a number of years ago uh, when my garage with the doors down, the temperature inside my garage in July was something like uh, 118 degrees. So I opened the garage door for a couple of hours, and I think the temperature might have dropped to 115 degrees. So it really doesn't make any difference whatsoever. It's just people think it does, but when it's hot, it's hot, and you can't get away from it. Well, that's what I say all the time when people say, gosh, it's so hot in Arizona. I say, hey, you know, they said it's 115 degrees. I said, 118 degrees or whatever the case might be. I says, well, I says, once you get over 110, it doesn't make a doggone bit of difference anyhow. It's hot as hot, you know. <laughs> so it's uh, uh, 110. It also reminds me of of a individual here in Sun City West a number of years ago uh, was working in his backyard, uh, so he kept his garage door open just for convenience of going back and forth to get tools. And he was away for about three minutes. He came back to his garage, and his uh, gas-powered generator was stolen. Within three minutes that he was away from the garage, it was gone. So things happen very, very quickly uh, when a thief wants to grab something out of your garage. So keep those doors, <laughs> keep those doors down. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And also another thing that people tend not to do or garage into their house, and that door should be locked at all times also. Double security. Don't keep that inner door unlocked. And another thing I think people need to realize, too, is it's probably worth their, worth their while on, on the electric door opener to have a kill switch in the house uh, so that you can kill the, kill the power to the door opener uh, at, at night uh, when you're going to bed, or uh, even in the event that you're going to be going for a trip, kill the power to the door and go out through another door and double lock it on your way out. So, um, absolutely, uh, most houses. And my house in Sun City West uh, was built in 1985, and it has a regular wall switch uh, for my garage door. So I just turn it off every night. It's very, very convenient that way. Uh, you know, I might point out about garage doors opening. Uh, when Sun City Grand was first built, garage doors were popping open unexpectedly all over the place, just dozens of doors for no apparent reason, until they finally figured out that the jets coming out of Luke Air Force Base and flying over the Sun Cities was activating the garage door and made it open. And so they had to rectify that problem with the jets flying over above us. I found that very fascinating that a jet plane could open your garage door. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, uh, I've heard that before too, and it, it doesn't seem to be happening anymore. So that's that's certainly good. You know, other than spending time in our houses, I guess the most uh, the place where we spend the, the second most amount of time, a locker, second most amount of time. I guess that's right. Uh, anyhow, is in our cars. Uh, what what do you suggest that people do while they're in their cars? Uh, I know Deborah's got a thing that uh, she doesn't like to have any of our mail in the car uh, because if I stop by the mailbox sometime on the way out uh, to go somewhere and I have the mail sitting on the seat, she says at least take it and turn it over so the address is face down. Uh, but uh, other than other than something like that, what uh, what type of recommendations do you have? Oh, relative to your car and kind of this is 
more or less security on the road then, isn't it? Um, once again, when you're uh, in your car and you're out and about, you want to trust your instincts. And once again, your instincts are your body alarm system. It's telling you something might be wrong. One of the keys to this, you know, once again, is the same with your house. Keep your doors locked and your windows up while traveling, especially in cities, so no one can grab with an open window. Also, it's very simple. Lock your car after parking. So many people will leave their car unlocked and just for that car to be stolen in some parking lot. Uh, when you return to your car after shopping, uh, check the parking lot for suspicious persons. Most people just walk to their car, they're oftentimes unaware of what might be happening near their car. As you're approaching your car, you should survey the territory. Is there somebody hanging around my car? Is he moving on? If he's staying there, why don't you just stop and see what he does? Wait for him to move away from your car. Don't deliberately walk into danger. And simple things as that. Um, before you get into your car, check the back seat to make sure nobody's there. And I know that's a little bit difficult uh, in the Southwest Valley here, or in the valley because of our tinted windows. It's not so easy to look into the back seat of your car. Uh, another suggestion is to have your keys or your electronic door opener well before reaching your car. Uh, you shouldn't get to your car and then fumble around for your keys and therefore delaying yourself and becoming a possible target. Uh, also, keep things out of sight. You should place everything in your trunk and not on the back seat. If it's visible, it's going to be stolen, folks. Um, so plan your route carefully to avoid undesirable areas and poorly lighted streets. Uh, that's a, a key when you're out on the road. Uh, obviously, we never pick up hitchhikers. And, you know, it's not like in my day uh, when I was growing up, uh, when I used to hitchhike home from college, and people would pick me up, thought nothing of it. This was back in the, uh, in the 1940s, of course. Uh, but today is different. Can't pick up hitchhikers. Uh, <clears throat> one of the keys that you need to watch out for is if you feel you are being followed, you should never go home, or, for that matter, to a hotel parking lot where you may assault. If you go home, that bad guy is going to get you. You can close your garage door down. What you should do is go where there is help. So a convenience store, a gas station, uh, any place where there is light, where there are other people, and you can summon help. Uh, so never, never go home if you are being followed. Uh, once again, if you feel threatened while you're driving, blow your horn to attract attention. Always park your car in a well-lighted area. Uh, and sometimes people will lose the handle on that because you may leave your car in daylight, but by the time you return back to your car, it may be completely dark. So try to park your car under a light stanchion. Uh, also, uh, I wouldn't tailgate at a stoplight. Most people tailgate. They of the bumper in front of them, uh, but I was far enough behind to give yourself maneuvering room in case you have to pull out uh, if you're under attack. Um, so those are some of the things you might do uh, for safety reasons of when you're out in your car and, and driving around. 
there's a lot of uh, things going on that ha- that you hear about also. I mean, as I said earlier, you hear about the home invasions. Another thing you hear about a, a, an awful lot, and it seems to me an awful lot in the news, is road rage. Um, I, I, I guess I understand it. Uh, I've been cut off many times, and I've felt like uh, giving somebody a, uh, the one-finger salute or something like that, you know, and uh, knowing full well that may incite something beyond uh, what I had in, intended originally. But um, what do you what do you do when maybe let's say you or I are driving along and we accidentally cut somebody off, or they take offense to something that we did, uh, and you, you're faced with the possibility of road rage? Uh, give me some thoughts and ideas on that. Okay. Uh, uh, first of all, there are basically three main behaviors that cause road rage. The first one is driving slowly in the left lane. That irritates people. Secondly, cutting someone off. And third, tailgating. Those are the three major reasons actually for road rage. Um, once again, the best weapon against road rage is self-control, your own self-control. In other words, don't escalate the actions of some idiot into an act of potential violence. Maintain your self-control. Do not react to that crazy person uh, on the road. Uh, you might not be aware that 96% of road rage incidents are participated by men, 96%. So therefore, uh, several suggestions uh, if you become embroiled in a road rage situation, and we've all probably have faced that one time or another. Uh, first of all, never underestimate the other driver's capacity for mayhem. Uh, you're dealing with a crazy person. You need to be very patient and cool in traffic while this is taking place. Uh, I would not make eye contact with an aggressive driver. This can only irritate him even more. Uh, And as you mentioned earlier, uh, do not make any obscene gestures. Uh, That's strictly uh, out of line. Uh, Also, use the horn sparingly. People don't like to uh, have the horn blowing at them. Um, Use your turn signals when switching lanes to avoid that cutting in uh, kind of thing. Uh, Of course, Using turn signals in California is an oxymoron because most people there don't use their turn signals because if they do on the highway, they're afraid somebody will speed up so they can't get in front of them. So they do do some foolish things. And uh, avoid tailgating. And also, uh, don't cut off a car. Uh, Those are some of the things you you need to be aware of. Uh, I was involved in a a road rage incident a few years ago, actually on, on Bell Road uh, near El Mirage, right near the Rise Building, um, a, a, a pickup truck felt that I had cut in front of him. Maybe I did a little bit too sharply. It's very possible. Uh, he was following me uh, down Bell Road, so I turned off, I made a right turn onto El Mirage, and lo and behold, he followed me with my right turn down El Mirage and started to harass me, and I had other passengers in the car, and this continued for a good quarter of a mile, harassing me, and finally he broke off, turned around, and went back to Bell Road and on his way. But this is an example of out of control.
control where a driver deliberately makes a right turn going where he doesn't want to go to begin with just to harass me. So you have to keep your cool. Uh, don't look at them. Uh, don't get panicky, but just continue to drive along. Uh, so it's a very interesting situation. Well, it's, uh, it is interesting, and uh, also with the advent of cell phones. Now, I know you're not supposed to be making calls when you're driving, uh, but maybe if there's somebody else in the car and it becomes, uh, if it becomes particularly dangerous or uh, particularly threatening, uh, somebody else in the car could uh, make a quick call somewhere and see if you can get some, uh, some legal assistance uh, in the form of police officers or whatever, telling them where you, where you are and you've got this guy on your tail or whatever the case might be, and uh, maybe they can show up quick enough to, to do something about it. Yeah, that's possible, and once again, if it continues, it's, it's a, you, you might want to drive into a, a gas station, a QT, or someplace like that, you know, where there are other people around, and that may uh, calm down a situation also. Uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, with, with the kind of violence... Uh, that we've had uh, recently over the last few years that a while back a study was made by AAA and they found that 44% of violent altercations uh, there was a weapon used, most often a firearm. In 23% of the cases a vehicle was used uh, to attack another person. Uh, so you have to be very, very careful about that kind of thing in your car. And, of course, the key is don't drive too slowly in the left lane. Avoid cutting anyone off and avoid tailgating. If you do just those three things, you are not going to be a victim uh, of some person's road rage. Well, here in Arizona, of course, as we all know, the likelihood of a firearm being involved is much greater because everybody seems to have one, and it's uh, and it's legal to do so. So it's uh, it becomes doubly uh, uh, doubly important here, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and for your personal safety purposes, whether it's road rage or anything else, yeah, I think you always have to consider the fact that the next guy over just may have a weapon on him, and uh, because that is the standard anymore in Arizona, and it's getting to be worse, uh, I think, as the days go by. Uh, that's enough of my political commentary for this show. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about being in unfamiliar places and how we can better ensure our safeties and uh, safety of places like hotels and out on sightseeing adventures and, and walking on the streets and so on and so forth. Okay, sure. You know, uh, when we're traveling uh, in unfamiliar places, uh, we're at a disadvantage. You know, the bad guy knows his territory. Uh, you don't. Uh, at, a, at automatic disadvantage there. Uh, so, so some of the simple guidelines are very easy to follow. Number one, to always choose a reputable hotel or motel, obviously. Uh, but before getting out of your car, look around. Get a sense of your surroundings. Be aware of who is in that parking lot before you get out of your car and walk to the hotel door. And once again, park your car in a well-lighted area. Um, in a garage, park near an elevator or the stairs and try to keep away from the structural supports where somebody might be hard hiding. Once again, uh, you, your instincts will start to take over if you start to feel uncomfortable uh, in an underground garage. Once again, be aware of other people. Uh, it's in your area, people who are loitering. They're not moving about. Uh, be careful of them. Uh, when you can, uh, use a bellhop. 
Uh, also, keep your free, hands free uh, after you park. If you have loads of bundles in your hands, you are pretty defenseless if somebody suddenly attacks you, so try to keep your hands free. Uh, if you use stairs in a hotel, look and listen before you go uh, onto those stairs, either up or down. Make sure uh, it's safe. Here's a, a, a suggestion for the elevator. Oftentimes, we doors open and we see somebody in the elevator that we're uncomfortable with, then why would we get on that elevator? Let's back off and say, oh, I'm waiting for a friend, and let the elevator go on its way. And the same thing when you're getting off an elevator. If you don't like who's in a little elevator lobby, stay on the elevator, let the doors close, go up to the top, then come back to your floor. Uh, just think you had a free ride. Uh, so don't deliberately step into danger when your instincts are telling you, I don't like the looks of that person, so don't do it. Um, so those are some hints in a hotel, and obviously you're not going to open your door to anybody in a, a motel uh, unless you know exactly who it is. As a matter of fact, if it's a maid or somebody else, you might, might call the office to find out if it's a legitimate person. So those are some of the things in a hotel uh, that might be helpful to people. Uh, you know, another thing we do when we visit cities, we go sightseeing. Um, it's best to use hotel transportation if you can, if you're going to a specific location, instead of driving your own car. Um, but if you do travel in your own car, have a map handy. Uh, plan your route very well before you start out. Uh, you might ask the bell captain the best route to take and particular areas to stay away from. The point is, don't wander into a bad area. Uh, I'm reminded of a number of years ago, a young couple in New York City driving home decided to take a shortcut. And unbeknownst to them, they were entering a gang-related area. Uh, this was at night. Uh, and before they proceeded very far, the shots rang out, and both of those young folks were killed because they had invaded a, a gang stronghold. They wandered into a bad area. So you always need to know the route that you are taking. Um, people have to understand that in a city, the complexion of a city uh, is very rapidly in a matter of a few blocks, you can be in the most desirable area you could be in, and six blocks later, you're in the most undesirable area. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, it's not too far from the capital, and we're a lot of undesirable areas. So we don't want to wander into bad areas. We plan our route. We have a map. We know exactly where we're going and how to get there. So that's some suggestions relative to your car in, in the city when you're doing your lovely sightseeing. Uh, well, Bob, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more to your presentation than all the great other, uh, all the great information you've given us today. Uh, and uh, you do teach this this uh, personal safety, personal security uh, class at the RISE program. Uh, how many weeks or how many hours is uh, is the presentation when you give it at, at RISE? When I give it at RISE, it's just a, a two-hour presentation, and uh, there's a lot of interchange uh, uh, with the audience, just like we are having now. Uh, so it's kind of a fun thing to do. Um, 
You know, I, I might point out, by the way, just, just to go back a little bit, when we're talking about uh, security in our home, you know, one of the things we, we might want to uh, keep track of is that we should have a lived-in pattern, you know, in our homes. Give the impression that there's someone in the house, uh, lights on, timers, and so on, maybe a radio blasting when you go out for the afternoon, uh, that type of thing. Uh, we should alert our, our neighbors <laughs> when we're going away. Uh, or a key holder. <clears throat> I've always said that one of the best defensive weapons we have is a nosy neighbor because they're a great safeguard and add another layer to our security. It's the nosy neighbor who knows what's happening all over the place, and that's very good because that person will report it. And how many times have you seen uh, junk mail or newspapers stacking up in the driveway because people are away? You should have a neighbor pick that stuff up and throw it away. Um, also, draw your blinds at night. And I think I mentioned that before. You shouldn't let the burglar have an opportunity to see who's in the house and what you're doing. Um, watch out for strangers coming to your front door. Never open your door to a stranger. If you do, your whole security system has collapsed. So never, never open your door to a stranger. So those are just a few other things relative that you can do uh, with your own home security. Uh, very simple things, uh, but people have to do them and not just sit back and you know take take the lazy route and, and not do some of those things. Okay. Uh, Bob, I want to just kind of throw this one at you. Um, with with all these very good tips and pointers that you've given us um, today, uh, what do you suggest for people that uh, say, "Oh my gosh, I mean, uh, there's so much to consider, and there's there's so much to worry about." Um, what do you do about the people that worry, and they worry about some of the various things that we've discussed today, and become uh, paranoid? Uh, about everything and everybody. Uh, what what kind of suggestions do you have for people that may be having uh, uh, those thoughts? Yes, that's a very, very good point uh, because uh, people have to be careful with that. They need a reasonable sense of security. They need to take reasonable actions to secure themselves and at the same time not become paranoid over the whole thing that danger lurks around every corner because that's just not the facts also. Uh, maybe to, to sum it up in just a few short statements would be that, number one, once again, be aware of your environment. Develop that sense of your surroundings. Have a plan in anticipation of danger. Avoid isolation. Attract attention when in danger. And you need to take action if someone invades your personal space, if someone does something else, if someone acts suspicious, if you question her intent, do something. Just don't stand there and take it. Do something. Roll on the grass like a crazy person. And after all, nobody wants to deal with a crazy person. Uh, attract attention. And I would leave you with, with maybe the final that the ultimate security is your understanding of reality. And people have to grasp that basic idea that the ultimate security 
is your understanding of reality. Bob, I just had this vision in my mind of you flopping around on the lawn and starting to drool just to keep people from being anywhere near you when you found yourself in a compromising situation. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it would work. <laughs> Unless the guy came at you with paddles and was going to give you uh, uh, shock treatment or something. But uh, yeah, that, that's very interesting. I mean, just act like an idiot, and uh, maybe they'll leave you alone. That, that's I think that's. I go on the grass and scream. Choose yeah. Choose Run away. <laughs> I, I, I have a couple uh, of examples um, of what can happen to you that people have to watch out for. Uh, do, we ha- do we have time for a couple of examples? Yeah, a few minutes, sure. Okay. I, I, I haven't mentioned earlier, but I have something what I call the what-if situations. You know, what if something happens, how do I react? Um, Here is a situation that happened in Sun City a number of years ago. A burglar on three different occasions inside of a week's time went to a home, cut the telephone line in the back of their house, came to the front door, rang the doorbell, and announced that he was from the telephone company, and they were having trouble with the telephone lines in the area, and he needed to check the telephone inside your house. The person opened the door, let the burglar in. Luckily, no one was hurt. Uh, he did this in three different homes by cutting a line and announcing himself as from the telephone company. Uh, once again, when somebody rings your doorbell, don't open the door to a stranger. Check who he is. If he says from the telephone company, is there a telephone company truck parked out in front or a water company truck or what have you. Uh, here's another nightmare that I knew about at one time where a person's security completely collapsed. Uh, This was a a young lady, probably in her mid-30s, who was exiting the Long Island Expressway. At the top of the exit ramp, her car just dropped dead. A short time later, within a minute or so, a young fellow came along in a pickup truck and stopped to help her. Well, being the gracious person that she was, she got out of her car to have a friendly conversation with this complete stranger. Once again, her security system has now collapsed. The young fellow said, you know, I just live uh, a couple of blocks at the top of the ramp. Uh, I can bring you to your, uh, bring you to my house and you can telephone for help. Uh, so she got into the car, the young fellow went to his house used the telephone to call AAA to get help for his car, for her car. Then the young fella, luckily, got her back to her car to wait for AAA. But can you imagine the possibilities of that scenario, going into a stranger's car, going to a stranger's house? You could have been murdered on the spot. I thought that was a horror story. Well, that was certainly uh, a tragedy, waiting for a place to happen anyhow. Uh, it's good that it worked out well. Uh, Bob, I want to make sure that you tell everybody uh, about the RISE program, about the fact that uh, you teach these classes and there's other fine instructors there as well. Tell us what is RISE, how people can get hold of uh, the RISE catalogs and information on RISE, and if they want to come and take your class in particular, uh, how can they do that? Maybe just give a little, we have a couple minutes left, I think, so I'll give a little background on RISE. 
Um, uh, RISE uh, is actually a lifelong learning program uh, for any adult in Maricopa County. Uh, we began back in 1994 uh, when a committee was formed under the auspices of Rio Slato College to program would be feasible uh, basically in the Northwest Valley? The answer, of course, was yes. So in 1994, RISE started out as a storefront operation uh, with just a few hundred people. Uh, in 1996, a building was finally constructed called the Lifelong Learning Center. Uh, and then in 1996, it was enlarged from 5,000 square feet to 14,000 square feet. This has a governing council uh, that conducts its operation, and we have a, a coordinator uh, for daily operation. There are several subcommittees that we have attached to RISE, such as the PR committee, finance committee, curriculum, social, and so on. Um, we began way back in the mid-90s with maybe two or three uh, hundred people. Now we have 1,200 members in RISE, which is actually the largest lifelong learning center in Maricopa County. Uh, back in our beginnings, we had maybe 60 to 70 classes each year. Now we have 300 classes per year, and these classes are taught by experts in their field on a voluntary basis. Uh, we have a, a track system uh, for our curriculum, such as social sciences, uh, health and wellness, uh, the arts, uh, financial, uh, natural sciences, spirituality and religions, and special interests. Those are the various tracks that we use. Uh, membership uh, for RISE is $45 a year, and with that membership, a person can take as many classes as they wish. There is no extra fee uh, whatsoever, just a $45 membership fee. Uh, we have a website, riselearning.org, riselearning.org that people can go to, or they can come into the uh, Lifelong Learning Center and pick up a catalog. Uh, for the upcoming spring semester, which starts on, I believe, uh, March 11th and goes through May 2nd. So that's a little bit of background relative to RISE itself. Well, very good. And how about your class? When is your class going to be up next? My class is coming up on February 28th at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. Very and good. I hope to see a number of people there. We always have fun with that class. Very nice, and that's going to be the personal security class, correct? Right, that'll be the personal security class, and probably uh, next fall uh, I'll probably teach my astronomy class again because we're on a trimester basis. We have th three semesters throughout the year plus a short, shorter summer session. Uh, so I'll probably teach my astronomy uh, in the fall again. Very good. Well, I'm sure people enjoy your class. I know we enjoyed having you on the show today, uh, Bob, so I want to thank you for uh, being my guest. And uh, and uh, it was nice seeing you again over at the uh, event we did at the uh, at the Sundial Center for the uh, Health and Heart Expo. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you again through the area. Uh, you're, you're always out and about somewhere, so we're, uh, we'll look forward to the next time we see you. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate your being a guest. Take care now. Bye-bye. And that was Mr. Bob Burdett. And Bob Burdett is an instructor at the RISE program in Surprise, Arizona. And uh, 
you can just go ahead and Google RISE. That's R-I-S-E, R period, I period, S period, E period, and you'll be able to find out all about them as, as well as uh, through their website that Bob mentioned. All that being said, we hope you enjoyed the conversation with Bob today. hope you got something from it. I know I did, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Uh, stay uh, stay in tune for uh, everything that uh, we have coming up on the Blog Talk Network, and you can do that by going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash boomer and babe. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be out uh, at the LPGA Legends Tournament, Legends Tour stop here in uh, in Northwest uh, Northwest Maricopa County. We're going to be talking to a lot of the ladies out there that uh, were the uh, some of the early champions on the LPGA Tour, and uh, they're going to also have their qualifying rounds out there for this weekend's tournament, tournament that we'll be covering. So starting at 9 o'clock tomorrow, it's straight down the middle, and we're going to be out there talking to the golfers and the professional ladies uh, on the golf course, and also we're going to have a lady by the name of Nancy Collins talking about her project called Sassy Golf, and we hope you can join us then. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. interesting conversation to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerandthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 